Everybody. Welcome to our very special Thursday guest episode mm-hmm. with Kate Casey. She's got a very popular podcast of This Reality Life. Yes. And you have five kids. I have five kids. Yep. Shows Reality Life with Kate Casey. Reality yeah. Life. Not This Reality Life. Sorry. Well, it should be. I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like I see like your show is everywhere. It's ubiquitous as the... the it's, you know what's weird though? When you're in it, I'm like... If somebody tells still to this day, seven years, actually, it's been seven years I've had a show today. Um, still wow. when someone says, like, I listen to your show, I'm sort of like, you do? Don't you feel like in podcasting, it's so weird. You're in this vacuum and, and sometimes you have no sense of like what's going on. Well, I could see that. I, yeah, yes, I do feel that way. But one of the things that um, you should feel really proud of is that I read the Reddits all the Reddits, the Reddit threads, <laughs> and your show is very respected. Like oh, there's no nice. real controversy. You know, people always think of you as somebody who gives really great interviews, fair interviews, you know, has good takes on things. Like I've never heard anybody be like, oh God, did you hear that problematic Kate Casey take? <laughs> like, which well, a lot of co- yeah. podcasters get involved at, you know what I mean? Have, mm-hmm. I don't even use like to use the word problematic because then that adds to like this person got canceled. It's not like that. But yeah. I just mean a lot of people have controversial or mean takes and you never do. Nobody ever says anything but positive things about your show. Well, that's nice. Um, I think part of it is that my life experience and then my professional experience, my in my personal life, I went to this boarding school for underprivileged kids for high school. I think that opportunity really gave me a better worldview and it made me way more empathetic and understanding. So I think I have a good sense of even when I interview people that I'm just trying to hear their personal story and where they're coming from. And then also in my profession, my first chapter job was I did crisis media litigation for global law firms. What? Because of it, I'm a little bit more apt to... I'm, I think I'm the person that you call in a crisis. I'm really good in a crisis because of obviously my my that was my job to help corporations who had a client who was facing like a major disaster. And it's like as soon as there's chaos, I immediately go to Zen. Um, I wouldn't say that like sometimes with my own life, I'll be like, oh, what a shit show. But then outside of that, like I'm definitely a person that you call when you're facing some sort of issue, like you want to get a divorce or you know, you've got some horrible issue with a friend or whatever it may be. Like, I'm definitely the person to call. So I, I would hope that that kind of trickles into my show and, and maybe that people see that in me that I do kind of try to look at it in a fair and balanced view. You also probably have a very good bullshit detector because of oh, that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then I also feel like crazy people love me because I don't feel like I like I don't react to them. Right. I'm sort of like, okay. And I think it's because of my family of origin, because my family are all lunatics. And my, so I've talked about about it on my show. Like my dad, I didn't see him between two and 32, had no idea where he was. He didn't even know if he was really my dad because we don't really look that similar. And he would only say he had one daughter referring to my older sister. 
and I've been covering it for a couple months now, uh, that when we were reunited when I was 32 and I was like, where the hell have you been? He was very cagey. And I've gone through this process of seeking documents about his uh, military experience and where he was in the specifically in the 80s. And I now I have reason to believe that he may have been a spy for Ireland during the troubles. So I'm like always around cuckoo bird crazy people, even like at boarding school when p- kids would show up and their their parents would show up to take them out on visiting. I was fascinated by people. And while other people were embarrassed by their parents, I was like, no, I have to tell you, you have to tell me everything. Mm-hmm. But like, so wait, your mom cheated on your dad and your aunt is on crystal meth and like he's in prison. And how long has he been there? <laughs> like, I wanted you to know everyone's personal story. So me I don't too. get rattled that easy. Me right. too. But right. do you find too, though, that, and I know you do, when you're really interested in people's like dysfunction, then I I tend to attract a like borderline personalities like love oh, me yeah, and want to be they best friends me. with me and think that we're best friends. And yes. people will also open up to me like way too fast, too soon. Correct. Like I'll go have coffee and they will be crying about some <laughs> super personal thing. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't ask like, oh, you know, and then I have to just be like, oh my gosh, that sounds hard. And I want to just yeah. get away as mm-hmm. fast as possible. Well, after I hear the dirty details. But do you, uh, can you compartmentalize well where you can turn it off and walk away and never think about it again? Or does that like, yes. some, one time somebody was like, you're an empath. I was like, I am not an empath. Because <laughs> as soon as I'm done with that conversation, I can move on to the next thing. No problem. Yes. I, I am not an empath either. But I think that's what attracts us to reality shows because oh, I, yeah, I absolutely love reality TV. And it's because I love to see, you know, the neuroses and how it plays out and how people mm-hmm. can handle it in, in front of a camera, you know, yeah. and, uh, and just their real personalities, how they come out. So I hate it when somebody downplays, uh, reality TV, like, Oh, I just waste my brain, brain cells. I'm like, well, you, you're not interested in human behavior. Right. I yes. call us, we're just all cultural anthropologists. I and think we just I like to study people. And that is why the same kind of people watch reality shows, who watch true crime documentaries, mm-hmm. that watch sports docuseries, that it's all the same kind of person. We just like to study people. Yeah, I agree. Real Sports with Brian Gumble is a great show. Great and, show. And it is exactly the same thing we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. human interest stories. Mm-hmm. I can never get enough human interest stories. Yeah, me too. I'm dying to ask you like right off the bat about this one show and then we'll, we can totally yeah. get into the reality stuff, but there was something on your watch list, things you're watching that I, wa- that I watched kind of as homework to have you on our show, but then I, I was blown away by it. It's a documentary on Hulu called Never Let Him Go. Did oh, you watch all one. four episodes? Yeah. I actually interviewed the, the, the brother. Steve? Steve Johnson. Yeah. Wow. I interviewed Steve and the director. Um, that was a great story. So for everyone who's listening, um, this brilliant man uh, went to Australia to study mathematics to get his PhD. And one night went out and was found at the bottom of a cliff and he was naked when he was found. And uh, investigators presume that it was just uh, a suicide. However, at the point where he would have fallen off the cliff, his clothes were folded up into a pile. Well, his brother never took the, the 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 idea of suicide seriously. He was first he was for sure that something else happened. So he 
ended up selling his company to AOL and made a ton of money and then used some of that money as uh, a resource to hire an investigative reporter uh, from Newsweek and put all uh, reward money forward. And a private detective. And a private detective. And because of it, 30 years later, it was revealed that there were these um, like gangs in Australia on the coast that were bigot bigots and they would push gay men over cliffs. So essentially setting up a casual sex, um, you know, meetup and they would have them take their clothes off, fold their clothes and then push them off cliffs. Wow. And ultimately, because of the brother's work, he has been part of this complete um, movement in Australia to eradicate bigotry. And it's Sydney in particular, nearby where this happened, has become this super friendly LGBTQT uh, city. I mean, they had like their gay pride stuff is like on the world map. Um, And I like to think that the brother had a part of that uh, in honor of his brother. But unthinkable that in the 80s, there were these men that would do it. So ultimately, at the end of the series, you see how the person that did it actually confesses and how it all happened. So it's really kind of like a true crime documentary meets social movement series, which what I loved about it, which I was telling Lynette on our uh, Tuesday episode was that each episode, like because sometimes a docu a docu series like that, you can feel like, well, you could have probably wrapped this up in like two episodes, but when you get to the third episode and we meet the lady who's the mm-hmm. Pam Stone, who's the this detective who's, you know, like I'm the only woman on like out of a hundred men who are on this team that investigates. And she is just a biatch beyond. Mm-hmm. And at first you're almost on her side because you're like, oh, well, you know, this must be frustrating. And because Steve, the brother of the victim, um, you know, is using his money that his resources, he's well-resourced. So he's getting mm-hmm. public scrutiny on this and he's getting it out onto, what is it called? The story Australia. They have like a, it's like their version it's of like 60 minutes, 60 minutes, like uh-huh. although Australia actually has 60 minutes. So it's like something. And then, by the way, it's X, it's, it's kind of better than ours. Yeah. It's oh, really I'm good. It's really yeah. good. But anyway, you know, it's this weird mislead where you start hearing about her and she's just awful. Like she's just very frustrating and she's kind of working against him. And at one point in the interview, I I was like, I have to bring this up to Kate. When she starts laughing, she's being interviewed and she thinks it's fun. She's kind of like, sorry, I hate to laugh, but uh, they catch her basically. It's kind of a gotcha moment because she's not, she's like, I'm sorry. Hold on. Like, let me take this again. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to laugh. I mean, it's it's not really funny, but it's kind of funny that he thinks that we should be paying attention to this crime or he thinks he's so Mm -hmm. sure it was homicide. It's like ridiculous. You know, basically she's like, he's ridiculous and she's working against him the whole time and she gets hers. Just know that she gets hers. And it's so satisfying because, mm-hmm. you know, she keeps trying to act like Steve, the brother's a narcissist and like, oh, mm-hmm. he just wants to center himself in the story, which is not true. Right. And anybody no. that's ever fought for something like that is like, that's so frustrating. Yeah. Like that he's mm-hmm. being anyway. It's so good. I highly, highly recommend it. That, by the way, is like one of those episodes where I'm interviewing somebody and now I've been pulled into their life. And then I get to see at the end of the series that they had some some, some small form of justice. And then I start getting emotional. 
And then they start getting emotional. And I'm like, I just want to tell you, you know, what you've done for your brother. It's like, And then I'm like, keep it together, Kate, because you get so sucked into the stories. And then you're, you know, you're so happy for them that they were tireless in their pursuit of justice. And there was another one that I interviewed recently that it's called Burden of Proof. And it's on Hulu. And it's a, a man whose sister just disappeared one night. Mm-hmm. Oh, just disappeared. I watched that. He, we saw that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so good. I, I, I interviewed that brother, too. Wow. And then it was like, then I was emotional about that one, too. I was like, yeah, you he, know, <clears> I just I, the love for your sister is so compelling to me. And, you know, anyway, and then I thought, set him up with my friend who's a medium. And then he did a reading for him. Yeah, it was. He I thought mean, it was his what? parents that got rid of his sister. At first, he thought so, and then as time goes on, he rethinks that. Right, right. It's and then, really and then good. you have to unravel that you've been blaming your parents for something. Right. And then how do you how do you mend that relationship? That's why I'm like all this unscripted stuff to me is way more interested than scripted stuff. Right. I mean, I it's just like all the layers. Even if I watch like a housewife show and. You know, granted, a lot of it's getting stale, but sometimes there are these little gems where you think you know somebody and then there's like a complete left turn and you're like, oh, now that makes sense. Right. I think that we're all just trying to like put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Like my mom would always love reading crime books. And then as I got older, I went, oh, it's because her life is so unstable. Like she feels some sort of control of her life by trying to figure out who committed that crime. Oh, interesting. I just yeah. remember as a kid, I would get, we would get the LA Times and I was always reading about the crimes going on in Los Angeles. Like I was drawn to, you know, some kid yeah. got kidnapped out of Lancaster or whatever the, you know, uh, freeway killers or, you know, the Hillside Strangler or the whatever. Mm-hmm. I was always so interested and intrigued with the crime going on around us, like in the valley yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, I wanted to talk to you, switching gears a little bit about the housewives of OC. Yeah. Um, so something broke over this weekend about Shannon Bedore. I'm all pretty caught up. Um, but what do you know about Shannon? She, I guess she got a DUI, which is pretty ironic. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think what everybody else knows is that she was arrested. She got a DUI. Apparently, she hit uh, a house. And she had her dog in the car, too. And they, yeah. So it, uh, the neighbor apparently reported them. I think I ran, I think I drove past her last week. Um, and now it's, it's the school, my kid's school is in the same neighborhood that she was living. Then when we watched the film, the show actually now, um, I'm pretty sure that was her. But though my friend told me she had recently moved. So I'm assuming that it happened in the same neighborhood, but I think she lives in a different house. I will say this. Um, I think that it has been very easy for certain housewives to hide their addiction issues because the shows are less now about their personal stories and they're about scenes where they're all together and they're drinking together. Mm-hmm. So like if you're maybe somebody who's sober, I do think there's a question of like, is there a space for you? Maybe not for every franchise, but certainly in Orange County. In New York, you have two housewives now who I believe are sober, Uba and Jenna. And that doesn't really seem to change the dynamics of the show. But I think for some of these legacy shows, in particular, in particular, OC, I mean, I'm friends with Bronwyn, and she used to, during filming, talk to me about that. I mean, she'd say things like, I just don't think I'm fun if I'm not drinking. So what am I supposed to do? 
Right. And I think that's kind of the old school Real Housewives mindset. So I think anybody who watches that show has been concerned about Shannon and whether there's a sobriety issue. And I would hope that if there is an issue, that this may have been the wake up call that she needed. Mm. Ultimately, Housewives should be about complicated women and their complicated stories and their complicated intersection of their friendships. So I would hope that they do at some point discuss it. Uh, Now I think she should go off the show and get well, but they still should talk about it in terms of like, maybe like, what do you do when you know a friend is struggling? Like how difficult it is in female friendships that, you know, you have a friend who's uh, has an addiction issue and, like how that sh- changes your dynamics. I would hope that they did that because to me, that's what makes shows like that interesting. Right. But like I said, I I feel like they've gotten a little bit more. And I think they're understanding that now that like it, it, it became like survivor at a d- dinner table. Right. When no. it shouldn't be. It should be like, aren't we enough? Like just our interesting personal stories, like a housewife story in Orange County should be the suburban story. It's totally different than a Beverly Hills story. It's about women who are raising children and then all the things that come with that, how competitive it is. Or if you have a child that's, um, you know, neurotypical versus neurodivergent and, and how that affects your friendships and their friendships. There are all these little things. Uh, how do you deal with uh, like in-laws and people in your neighborhood who don't have the same political beliefs. Like I think to that, to me, all that stuff's really interesting, but I don't, for some reason people think like someone screaming at you across the table and throwing a drink is more interesting. I beg to differ. Let's take a, let's take a quick break. And then I have more to say about that too. I think um, just getting back to the substance abuse stuff, like they, they cast people that you know are going to have these issues. I mean, Shannon Bedore from her first season was they were was going crazy. Remember, yeah, her yes. first season. I want to say like the maybe one of the first or second episodes that she was ever on. She was screaming and like at out of control, party. drunk at somebody's house, and they were like going to call nine one one. Yeah, on her. Heather, that was like yeah. Her, yeah. that was season one. Yeah, you know, and the ones that aren't like that aren't like that. You know, yeah. and you've got the ones mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills. I mean, you've got Ramona, who's always seemed to like, you've got Luann. Like, you have these people that act very, very altered. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the problems is when you have enough of them and you don't have a grounding character who doesn't yes. have this problem, it's very yep. easy to be like, well, who the fuck are you to tell me? Mm-hmm. Like, look at, like, who's going to, who's going to do the intervention? you know, in Beverly Hills, like who's going to, you know, like each one of them takes turns sort of getting sober. So who like in New York, it used to be Mm -hmm. almost comical to Mm -hmm. watch them try to tell the other one, like you're an alcoholic. Like you got Sonia Morgan who had a DUI before she even came on the show. You know, she, uh, she had a DUI. I think she's had two now. So, cause I know she got another one during the time that like between seasons at one point, not that long mm-hmm. ago. So, but who's going to, they're all going to be like, Oh my gosh, you have a drinking problem. Who's going to tell her that Luann? Like, well, you know and also, yeah. like, it's if, like you, if, if you and I were on OC, we would say something like, don't you think it's interesting that she uses like this naturopathic organic lifestyle yes. to, as a shield? 
Right. Like no one can bring this to her attention because she's got like garlic cloves in the in the roof of her kitchen. She's always right. going to you Dr. Know? Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Gonna... Moon, like is she's clearly using that as a shield. Um, but also that would be an opportunity for story for me too to explore like is this amped up because now all the kids are out of the house? Is she having a, an identity crisis? Mm-hmm. Is she spiraling because she's not tethered to a child that, you know, gives her some sense of uh, grounding? I don't know. And like, what's, I think what's there are her- a lot of women that go through that. Like, well, who am I now? What's going on? And her boyfriend too, right? I mean, wasn't he accused of a heavily drinking and Well, I've always dro- heard that they drunk. both... Like, that's the thing that they have together is like, he's fun. We have fun together, Mm. you know? Right. I mean, as people get older, it's like, how much is fun? Like, it starts out, maybe they have like two drinks together. And then it's like, we went out and we had 14 drinks. And you're like, normal people don't have to have 14 drinks. Like, what is this really about? Um, But I think that oftentimes, especially in suburbia, where people can um, use other excuses to kind of cover why they might be drinking that much like oh the divorce is really hard or i've got this going on and and there are very few people sometimes in and i say this as somebody who lives here i'm not originally from here i live here i often say this is a perfect place for cons and it's a perfect place for people to have like secret lives because no one here really asks intrusive personal questions it's like a very People are more apt to ask you, like, how much did you pay for your house? And do you have a boat versus like, <laughs> it's so what's, true. What's what are you struggling with now? And I find that I'm a person who asks a lot of questions and I'm always surprised at how the reaction is often like, why are you asking me so many questions? That is why, like, all the datelines are mostly set in Orange County. Yeah, because you can come here and you can make up a whole life and no one's going to actually like cross reference stuff like I would because no one asks really in-depth questions like, oh, and you're from Miami and you have a Lamborghini and like, where are your kids? And, you know, and then what was the name of your last business? And did it go public? And like all of those questions, no one asks. It's so true because I just was watching because on HBO, well, now it's called Max, but there's all these true crime shows and there was one called Evil Lives Here and it's it's family mm-hmm. members of people that have been arrested that have done horrible things. And the first episode I watched was the sister of of the mom of of the Turnip family that out of Paris oh, with the 12 kids. Yes, yep. the house of horrors where they're being chained mm-hmm. up and malnourished. So she was their aunt, the, these kids' aunt, and they lived in Texas for a long time. And That's right. all of a sudden she wanted to start homeschooling. So they researched right. What state would be good where nobody nobody comes looking, especially following up on homeschooling? Yeah, state of California. Surprise, surprise. So they Riverside move here. County. Yeah, yep. they moved to Riverside County. Nobody questioned them, and mm-hmm. then it took years until a kid got you know the courage to get out and go call nine one one. But yeah. it's so funny that you say it because it's true. It's like mm-hmm. California. Nobody nobody asks. So, no, I'm from Philly. People be like, wait. What? Wait, where did you go to school again? And then where did you work after that? And we're like looking on LinkedIn as you're talking to us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'll do, I'll check for the receipts. Yeah. 
Right. Like so many people here, it's like, then my company went public and my, I'm, then I'm like five minutes later, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it's like total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of people here, there's like a lot of family money and they're insecure about it. So they'll make up some stupid tale that they right. think like makes them seem more important. It's like, you know, just lean into whatever you are. Exactly. Right. As so, my as my husband's friend once told me, don't hang a light on it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you this. How okay, so are you keeping up on all you have five children? What are the right. what's the age range? Um, oldest is a uh, a freshman in high school, and then I have a sixth grade boy, a fourth grade girl, a second grade girl, and a preschool girl. Oh my god. So four girls and one boy. So how oh and you keep up on a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Like are you watching yeah. all the housewives? I watch it all. I watch a lot of true crime docs. I, I get a lot of screeners sent to me, so that helps with um weaving watching and researching and booking um, around their schedules and school. I don't sleep a lot. It's just, I, you know, I've always been like a weirdo who I don't need really more than five hours of sleep. So I do a lot of stuff at night when the kids go to bed. Um, but I'm also just a really good multitasker. I just right. find pockets of time. And uh, and the truth is this, I created this job. You know, when we were kids, people are like, find a job and get paid for it. Like I truly did that. So it doesn't feel like work to me because this is what I would be doing anyway, right? Right, I would want to be watching all these shows and looking people up and interviewing people and talking to them. I'm basically getting paid to do what I love. And Mm -hmm. but in fairness, like I have to be honest, like because everybody in the world has a podcast now, it has been freaking hard. I did not. I was not a celebrity before. I was not on a reality show. I created this myself. And, you know, a lot of people have like producers, like it's all my own thing. Um, and it's not easy. But I will say if you have a really great idea and you're willing to put the work in, you know, I think podcast is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is your husband supportive? Yeah. I mean, he has no idea what I'm talking about. He uh, <laughs> has a software company. So I don't know what he's talking about either. So he's just... <laughs> Are, are happy to stay in your lanes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He mm. thinks I'm strange because I'm so fascinated by people, but I think he's strange because he's so fascinated by like processes and software, how things work. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, like he'll say, oh my God, you're, you're the clutch because I'll go to a meeting and I remember everybody's name, the names of their kids, where they live, like all that stuff. So I do come in handy for him. And then I would say the same, but like our printer still doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. <laughs> I will say that my husband, like when I tell him that the printer's not working, we were just talking about this mm-hmm. on our other show where I'm just like, well, I guess it's broken. I guess we, my, my brain immediately goes, well, I guess we need a new printer because the pa- it says the paper's out, but the paper's not right. out because it's not yeah. feeding it properly. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. How, how are you going to fix a feeder? Like right. you know, you're going to bring right. in the printer exactly. to be fixed. You just get a new one, you know? And I tell John, John, I think the printer's broken. And he says that because it says it's out of paper. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not out of paper. See, gotcha. It's broken. And then right. like the next day, he's like, the, the printer's fine now. I fixed it. And I'm like, I don't know how you did that. And it's then you're magic. Like, That's why I married you. It's like yeah. he invented like electricity. This. I don't know. How How do you know? Yeah. Like, how, did, how do you know the inside workings of he's of like it, it was a paper jam like i mean well, in the end do we really marry these in the end do we really marry them for romance or is it just to get the printer fixed <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? like i don't want to do the printer so there you go right right, right. well what kind of software does he is it anything that you're interested in 
Uh, he makes the software for doctors' offices. And oh, I, boring. Yeah, actually, we started <laughs> dating, and um, he came up with the idea for the company. So it has been fun because I've kind of been there from the beginning. I mean, I, we were sitting on the floor of a Barnes and Noble trying to come up with company ideas, and um, yeah, we hope that it, they just named it Unicorn Status, but they, we haven't gone public yet or anything. But oh, okay. but it's been really fun to feel like I've been kind of been witness to this. Yeah, what fun. I believe will be a great business story. And I think he'll write a great book afterward. I already have the idea of the name of the book in my head, The Kind mm-hmm. CEO. Oh, that's nice. He's such a nice person and people just love him because he's so, he really cares about culture. And um, I think, you know, there are so many CEOs who get these, have these ruthless personalities and reputations. And I just don't think it's necessary. You can still be a kind CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Like Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> when I now, first some started. Of my, some, of my kid, some of my kids are like him, but then some of them are more Philly like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I When I first started in showbiz, I, the CEO of our company was the nicest guy. I mean, he was writing, it was a small company, but he was writing checks at Christmas time. Like, what, nice. how, what, what do you, you know, what, what's your three month nut? Like, how much do you owe on your car payments? Like, or, and you're uh, this yeah. and you're that. And he would write us a check and say, Merry Christmas. And it was just like the nicest, sweetest guy. And I always thought to myself, like, yeah, like that's, that was my introduction to what a CEO should be instead of, yeah. you know, the opposite, just insane. It and, is possible what? too. Cause like, it is like it's talk show hosts, you know, people are like, oh, they're yeah. all the same. No, Ellen was horrible, mm-hmm. terrible. Lynette mm-hmm. and I would talk about, we were trying to warn our audience about Ellen. We both knew stuff about her mm-hmm. way years, years before people, when people were like, America's sweetheart. She's so funny. Before with there dancing. was a Twitter feed about it. Yeah. yeah. We already yeah. knew. Oh, the and inside. you know, my, fr- my friend Chris is the one that started that Twitter thing. Oh, really? really? Chris Farah, a great comedian. Um, she had this weird experience waiting tables with her and right. she complained oh, about the her nail, chip, nail polish, polish thing. Yes. Yeah. It was my friend, Chris Farah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, She's well, hysterical. I have a very good friend who worked there very, who had a high up and would tell, and uh, we were raising our kids together and she would tell, I mean, she would just tell me stories like every day mm-hmm. about working there, like crazy mm-hmm. stories, like the, you're not allowed to make eye contact, like, w- but years before when everybody was like, oh my God, she's the greatest. And I would have to hear about it. So when it came out, I was like, not, you know, oh wow, this is finally out. But Kelly Clarkson, nicest, nicest, nicest yeah, she's person. She's a great reputation. She's yeah. so kind. We have the same hairdresser. Mm-hmm. gives money like get her own yeah. money spends her own mm-hmm. money on her staff to give bonuses like the real deal well remember when she was a contestant on uh american, american idol? idol sure mm-hmm. do went to the i she went was just live so, to see the finals like, down to earth yes oh yeah i read this one time i read this uh harvard business review article and it was basically saying that who you are as a ceo or really anybody in business or whomever you are kind of really it's set by the relationship you have with your own father. Like there's a connection to it. So they said that, that, that people who have CEO or they have fathers that are very loving and supportive typically then become very loving and supportive CEOs, but that people who had uh, abandoned, faced abandonment like myself, or they, they use like Barack Obama and a, a few others as examples they tend to try to overachieve because they're trying to impress a father that will never give a shit about them, basically. Mm, wow. So that like for me, sense. 
And I think you've been witness to that even the beginning of this episode. Like, you're like, isn't your show big? I think it's small because in my brain, I'm always trying to work to impress a dad who will never give me the acknowledgement that I want. Wow. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think we've done, um, we've healed you though so far. So <laughs> now know, moving forward, so you know, Lynette and I just have this magical mm-hmm. thing, right? <laughs> magical like- touch. <laughs> And full circle. Yeah. No, we talk about that though a lot too. Like, uh, I mean, I have had some shit in my past and I think not, maybe not as a CEO, cause I'm not a CEO of anything, but like as a parent, I definitely yeah. have CEO taken the over, overcompensating, like overly mm-hmm. nice, mm-hmm. like so worried about my kids being mad at me or hurting anybody's feelings or, you know, just trying to be make right. Christmas the greatest Christmas ever that's ever Christmas because, you know, I had a shitty yeah. childhood. And I had a dad that was very loving and I had a crazy nut job mom. Um, But my dad was always overcompensating for my crazy mom and was very supportive and very loving. And then I would say like I was a good boss to Kalen. Right, Kalen? Still are. Thank you. Meanwhile, he's smoking in the corner, shaking (laughs) with a (laughs) bottle of whiskey. (laughs) I would say Lynette rarely ever hits Kaylin. And I think that's <laughs> that's a high achievement. I don't throw anything. I at. deserved it that one time. Yeah. <laughs> the one time, but it was called a corrective. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. you didn't do that behavior again. <laughs> you learned. <laughs> Put him in his place. All right. So let's ask let me ask you this. For me and Lynette. Yeah. Heather Debrow. Where Heather Debrow stands. Mm-hmm. Are you if you're gonna have to pick somebody from the OC that you're like that you like, do you like Heather? You mean for the show? From yeah, from that the character. Cast. Yeah. Um, I think that there Fancy are not pants. enough of her. I think it doesn't work because there's only one of her. And I feel like her per her persona is so specifically where I live, um, like over more towards the coast. Uh, she represents the woman who has almost so much money they don't know what to do with it. And that they cannot calibrate for somebody uh, calibrate to like have a, a normal conversation with someone who has struggles that are way beneath their socioeconomic level. And I feel like uh, there should be more of her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, you can't have like more characters. Also, it, it it doesn't work for me because for two reasons. One, I just don't, I know living here that people are lazy about friendship and it's like, unless you're in town, they don't work that hard. They mm-hmm. just don't. Right. So the idea of someone in San Clemente being friends with someone in Crystal Cove and then like Ladera Ranch and then like it that would never happen. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the one story that is never really told on that show is how impossible it is to break into social groups as an outsider because it's like did, if you did you grow up here? Did you go to USC? Are you in this sorority? And the people kind of hang out in groups and then they all go on trips together and there it's entree into social groups is so hard as an outsider and I don't feel like they really get that story so a lot of the snobbiness that exists here I just don't think you can rely on just Heather Dubrow to tell that story well one of the things I found what because I'm pretty caught up on the OC was everybody seems to be picking on Heather this season and 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 then it's like Tamara seems to be the troublemaker 
um, mm-hmm. and pointing. But th- fit- I think it's, she- it's a, it's a power shift. Yeah. It's a power dynamic because last season they were so annoyed because they all had to kiss Heather's ass because there was this perceived power that she had. Like she was almost like a producer. There's always one that they mm-hmm. think they have like producer power, which they really don't. Right. Um, so they were all like kissing her ass. So then Tamara comes and Heather seems a little bit afraid of Tamara because she's so bold and all of that. So I think they were kind of relieved and they're like, Oh, for fuck's sake. Now we can actually like, right. You know, be who we really want to be. But if you're sick of, because she's very condescending to them. Yeah, she is. She is like, they wouldn't put up with that for more than one season, but there's bad people there where there's scenes where she's (laughs) saying like Heather is saying like, um, you know, like, uh, what's her face is talking about, you know, don't talk about my boyfriend and don't bring him up. And, uh, what's her name? Um, one that got the DUI. Shannon. Shannon, Shan- Shannon, yeah. Shannon Bedore. So she's saying like, Heather's talking about, you know, what's in the vault, the vault they keep saying. And it's like, then yeah. they show the flashback and Heather did not do that. She actually shut it down. She was like, yeah. you know, I actually know. So I can't wait for the reunion. So Shannon Bedore oh, can good too. eat shit. The reunion's really good. Yeah. yeah. And I know I kind of get mad because it's like you're on episode 12 and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, let's just go all the way to the reunion. Right. I know. Let's go. Let's (laughs) let's, yeah. yeah. Let's get let's get Andy Cohen. in. I I don't what I the reason I don't watch the OC. So uh, I'm not even up on it is because a couple of seasons ago I had to start boycotting it because Tamara's when Tamara came back because Mm -hmm. her stupid son, who's just a criminal. Mm -hmm. I mean, the domestic batteries, Ryan Vaith. uh, Vyef. I mean, who cares what his last name is? Is he that important that we yeah. say it? If you Google him and mm-hmm. you Google, he's made some atrocious rants about murdering trans people. I mean, he oh, literally yeah. said that trans mm-hmm. people should be murdered and he hopes they mm-hmm. get murdered. And then he had another thing that was like against a mom of a trans child uh, that he was saying it's disgusting. And then Tamara got involved and was like, you know, agreeing like, yeah, that's disgusting. And then Tamara had to kind of apologize and go, I didn't really quite understand what he was talking about. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with my son's views, but here's the thing he, and then he was arrested for domestic battery of his, the, mm-hmm. his baby and then mama he pops up on the show. And he's you're on like, the show. Again, right. Isn't this show about women and where I, do I have to watch some 30 year old who's like a horrible human being? I'm not interested. Never have who's been. Like never a will terrorist be. with his I don't crazy want him beard. on the show. Yeah. And why is it Andy Cohen allow ha, putting him on the show and paying him? He's in full on scenes. I like don't think he gets paid. I will say that. I, think um, he does. I don't know. That's a good question. He's filming. I, I think a lot of people that they add to the show make no sense. Right. Well, I don't understand why uh, Randy, And then why Andy is Heather Cohen, like, you know, when she saw the son, she was like, oh, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. When she's got a trans trans child. child. Well, again, that's like, why don't we explore and that? Explore that that's stuff. What's yes. interesting to yeah. me, like, what do you do when your friend has a child who is vehemently against the values that your family has? Like, why isn't that enough storytelling right. to me? Like, why don't we explore that? Instead, it's like, Let's have them go to a Duffy boat and get wasted. It's right. like, mm, this is not really like what female stories are really interesting. Like, why are we not covering that? I don't know. I wish I was executive producer. Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, yeah. my God, it would be great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kill it. Do you have any other uh, shows or stuff that you're watching that we should all watch? Okay. So I have a couple of recommendations. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So did you guys watch Jury Duty? Of Loved course. it. Okay, good. So uh, Jury Duty is definitely a recommendation on Amazon Prime. Have you ever watched Vatican Girl on Netflix? No. No. Okay. Vatican Girl is about a girl who disappeared in from Vatican City in the 80s. She was on her way to a flute lesson. Her father worked for the Vatican as one of the employees so they could live within the Vatican City. She disappears. She's never comes home. And the people um, in Vatican City and her family have been tireless, tireless in their pursuit to find out what happened. Well, fast forward, there were the WikiLeaks or the Vatican leaks was part of like a like a leaking of Vatican documents. And in it, they found that there were at least, I think, 14 pages of what looks like um, costs associated with like this girl's care for like years after she disappeared. And there was an address that was associated with it. And this reporter within the series finds out it's like a hostel, like a youth hostel in England run by the Catholic Church. Oh my God. So that compiled with some other things. You're like, did the Catholic Church have a hand in what happened to this girl? And then also, where is she? So there's that. Another great one. It was a little bit from a couple of years ago, but it's a great story. It's called The Lost Sons and it's on Discovery Plus. This story is insane. By the way, I've covered all these, like the Vatican one. I have like an Italian journalist. We do a whole episode about it. Wow. The other one that you guys are going to be obsessed with is called The Lost Sons. So in 1964, this little boy named uh, Paul Franzak is born in a Chicago hospital. And his his mother, Dora, is exhausted, uh, like all new mothers are. There is a woman who's dressed up as a nurse going door to door and saying to each new mother, the doctor needs to do more tests on the baby. And none of them hand over the baby to this nurse until she gets to Dora Franzak's room. So she's exhausted and she hands the baby over. The woman leaves the hospital, never be seen again. It's the reason there are the pink code bracelets in hospitals. So a year later, there is a little boy found outside of a strip mall in Atlantic City in a stroller, and he's got some bruising on his face. So the authorities there call Chicago and the FBI and say, we found this little boy. So they send the Franzex a picture of the little boy and they, they're like, we think this could be your son. Well, when he was born, they only got um, a, like a picture, black and white picture and like, a, uh, but they didn't get his blood type or anything else. So they looked at the ear size, which is insane. And they're like, oh, that must be your son. So they take him home. He, they are raising him as Paul Franzak. Well, he can't get over the fact that he looks nothing like his relatives. And when he's about 10, he pulls a couch back from the wall and there's a box filled with newspaper clippings about a kidnapped boy. And he goes to his mother and asks, is this about me? And she says, don't ever ask me about it again. As an adult, he gets them to do a DNA swap. He's not their son. So the Lost Sons is about where in the world is Paul Franzak? And then the other part of it is him finding out through like 23 and me his identity and he finds out that he's a twin and oh where is his God. twin and what is his story this one will make you sweat you will be screaming at the tv you're going to be like what is going on those two are fantastic true crime documents. okay i'm wow. gonna watch that when i get home hell yes and then out and then you can listen to my interviews with paul franzak oh wow yes the real paul franzak and then also the journalist uh the italian journalist who was executive producer of um vatican girl wow. how do you how do you find yeah. these people do you just hit them up on instagram or do you i'm like just like yeah everything i i look up linkedin is fantastic i'm like mm -hmm. who do you who do i know it's it's like always a game to me of like 
how do I get to that person? Mm-hmm. And they so seem incredible. like, yeah, they seem to be willing to sit down and talk to you, which is nice. Yeah. And I yeah. think also they look at the the episodes I've done. I mean, I've interviewed Amanda Knox, for example. They're like, this is somebody who really right. is interested in story. And I, and I do a ton of research and I'm very uh, respectful of the art of unscripted filmmaking. So did you um, interview Natalia Grace? I interviewed the executive producer. You did? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Here's what kills should me about take, that. Wait, should we oh, take a quick break? Yeah, we need to take a quick break. Okay. Here's what killed me about Natalia Grace was they they had there's a there's a moment in one of the episodes where you find out that like Natalia Grace was a child, you know, mm-hmm. through the re- through the birth mm-hmm. records, etc. But then I don't think they hit the it hard enough. They did, didn't have enough people going, okay, so this is settled business. Like she was a child. Right. So then you go on like Reddit threads and whatever, and people are like, I don't know. Was she a child? And you're like, it yeah, was so yes, that, that's it was- literally factual. Like they, yes, that's not even in question. So moving mm-hmm. on to other things that were fucked up, but like what, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole yeah, thing. It felt unfinished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't addressed um, well enough. But I interviewed her before it started, and I, I remember being very frustrated because I would ask her, well, did anybody notice like the pubic hair? And the answers were like, well, I don't know. What would you think? And I'm like, you what? made the fucking film. Like, you tell me. Right. Um, and then I tried to circle back afterwards, and I was sort of ghosted. So I don't know. Maybe I, just, I just remember at the beginning of it, it's like, I, I remember when I was watching it, and, you know, it's so crazy because that dad is just like He's a character. Insane. He's unhinged. Yeah, Unhinged, yeah. crazy. And you so right away, you're like, okay, well, this this is an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And now the yeah. mom's an unreliable. You know, you're like, what's happening? But I remember going well uh, there's no question that she was a child because she has baby teeth like you're looking at the photo of her and you go well she has baby teeth it's not until like a couple episodes later that the one woman who's like a legal expert is like yeah she has baby teeth she had baby teeth she was a child you can't fake that like you you, you're not you don't get Mm -hmm. to be there's no cases where somebody is you know in the the teenager or whatever and they don't have baby they have baby teeth still so that's that was that was before they ever got to the hospital records right. and actually talking to the actual mom and the hot, you know what I'm saying? The birth certificate, mm-hmm. the hospital records when she was born, et cetera. But it was, it was just so weird that they focused on the right. wrong thing for so long, which I think was why the executive producer was like, well, I don't know. Cause they wanted yeah. it to be this thing where annoying. people are like, right. I don't know. It's a question. It's like, no, it's not a question. Yeah, and that you, was when you that, that was unlike most interviews. I don't have that, but for, that one in particular was quite frustrating. But also, so was the series. So right, and when right? you're watching yeah. a documentary, you think, oh, it's a documentary. I'm going to get all the facts, but you really kind of some documentaries yeah. are molded to where they fit the narrative of what they're trying to say. Well, you they know. Yeah. they so badly wanted it to be. I think a lot of docu series and documentaries are trying to be like jinxed. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, so they want there to be this, ha, ah, this twist, this moment where you're like, which they did with Natalia Grace with the moment on the stairs where you, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the hot mic and the, they kind of admit to kicking her down the stairs. And they thought that was going to be this like, wow, there, there you go. That's the big moment. It's like, not really, because right. we already yeah. know that you're super abusive, that this is insane yeah. and this is a horrible thing that happened to the, I don't know. I feel like it was, 
it was too much. It was crazy. And I was riveted every moment, but it was too much like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. See what we did here. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. there's an actual person at, right. involved in this that you were, it was very exploitive to me. Yeah. Agree? I, I agree with you. It was totally unfinished, but I'm sure that they're going to do some other thing in the future. And maybe you'll get the answers. I don't know if I'm sticking around for the answers, but. <laughs> All now, right. So we got Vatican, I, Vatican girl. Yeah. Vatican girl. Well, and the I lost wanted sons. Lost sons and the lost sons. One of the things I wanted to ask you, I don't watch the show, but from what I'm hearing, Sister Wives is falling apart at the seams. Sister, no. Sister Wives now is the time to watch. That's because- what I'm hearing. You're finally seeing women understand their own power and leave this ramen-headed loser of a he guy. He is such I He's my such sister a loser. And so it's it's like a payoff for people that have been fascinated by the inner workings of this polygamy adjacent family, right? For all this time, and now that's what's satisfying is that you're finally seeing them go like I'm going to leave. And then the, He's a fucking, like one in particular is like, I interviewed the, the one that left, Christine. Right. And it was just awesome because she's like, what was I thinking? And you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to find love. And now she's like going to get married to somebody else who's like awesome. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Because I've seen little bits and pieces. I've heard somebody, one of the wives got duped and catfished and had yeah. an emotional effect. But it's funny because you look at all the ads for the sister wives from past seasons. It's been on for so long. And they're just like all walking around, you know, in the hills together with sunshine. Now you go to like Discovery Channel with sister wives and it's like lightning and like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's upset except well, for Christine, the one she's agna- happy. They're finally acknowledging that it was all pretty bullshit behind and I the scenes him. and you're like well no shit Sherlock so it's it's very satisfying for the viewer okay so now's the time to watch now's the time to watch interesting so you're watching all these crime things did you watch the um I watch a Jared, ton of sports stuff too I'm a sports person so I watch a ton of sports stuff too oh I'm a super um, big sports person too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really um, I don't I, know I, a I lot watch, of people know I watch very everything into football. anything and unscripted I watch <laughs> yes me too. Except I don't like Love After Lockup. I'm sorry, I can't do that. A 90 Day Fiance, not so much anymore, but everything else yeah. I pretty much watch. Yeah. What about The Bachelor? Yeah, I'll watch it. It's kind of boring, but I just don't think it's uh, able to stay fresh and new in an age where you have shows like F Boy Island. I mean, you got to keep it fresh and edgy, and it's mm-hmm. too saccharine for a, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years. It's kind of boring. So, what about Bachelor in Paradise? Because we're trying to, that'll you know, be good. That'll be good. Rose Pricks That's is trying to stay alive, more. Kate. So we're, we're Bachelor just... in Paradise for sure. But like the actual, like mm, there are twenty five of us and we're in a prom gown, and you know, I'm sorry. Can I have some time with you? It just doesn't hold <laughs> up anymore. In this, can like, I steal TikTok. you for a minute? Edgy, yeah. Like, it it really doesn't. Which is why this is just a little plug for Rose Pricks. We, I think Cecily and I are one of the few Bachelor podcasts that is just taking the piss out of them. Like we're just making fun. Yeah. We're, we're pretty much making fun of it. I mean, people get upset because anybody that watches it earnestly, <laughs> but like that's on you. Yeah. If you're watching it earnestly at this point and thinking people are there to find love. Right. Right. Well, I think you're the, the audience is, I think the audience is either like 60 year old women or 14 year old women. I'm not kidding you because I was, I'm friends with a person who was a contestant, made it quite far. And he was telling me like, my DMs are from girls that are, really young and then I remember I put out I was interviewing him and I asked 
you know, I'm going to interview him if there are any questions you want me to add. And it was like, can you ask him what his astrological sign is? <laughs> like women, professional women are like, do you have an arrest record? Do you have right. a retirement right. plan? Exactly. Like those things. It's all very like, it's very young girls and then like older women that like to watch it with their, maybe their younger kids or maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just. Well, you're doing the right thing by covering a lot of content because we're kind of stuck with like, even my sister-in-law who used to be a big listener of Rose Pricks uh, was like, yeah, me and my friends, like they used to have, I mean, they were the target audience. They would have watch parties like every week. They would all get together with the girlfriends and make their appetizers like in theme, Mm -hmm. bachelor themed appetizers. And she was like, oh yeah, we stopped watching like four seasons ago. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, I need audience. Yeah. Uh It's been around yeah, but you a can long still time. Do ro- you do rose pricks about any dating show. Yeah, yeah. we yeah, oh, yeah, we do. We've covered like we covered Love is Blind. We cover Love is Blind yeah. now. We covered and just like that, the the second season of, of the and just like that, which is not a dating show, but it's a it's yeah, Sex in the City, the to... reboot of Sex in the City that we've been making fun of. Yeah. You could still do it. We're we're finding our place. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how often does your show come out? Six times a week. Um, wow. Monday's my Monday's my what to watch episode and I break that down and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are interviews and then Saturday I have a Saturday series where I tell more of my personal story but also interview really interesting people actually I think Saturday's episode is going to be Ronnie from Watch What Crappens like nice. their personal story what makes their unique story interesting that's very nice yeah, you very know nice. Ronnie's my friend you came on our show when I was doing Rose Pricks with Ronnie yeah Mm-hmm. And spoiled the ending of The Bachelor. <laughs> I know. I felt bad about that. I did. Ronnie was just like, what the fuck, Kate? Like, <laughs> I know. I know. And you were like, oh, I thought everybody like finds out the ending ahead of time. You're like, oh, well, no, my bad. I, we like to watch every episode evergreen. Yeah. Wow. That was bad. That's funny. Who cares? So where we can, so do uh, you want to plug Instagram, TikTok? Yeah, plug yeah, your sure. stuff. So you can listen to Reality Life with Kate Casey anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, you can join the Facebook group Reality Life with Kate Casey. Um, I've got Patreon, obviously, for bonus episodes. The must-watch list you can sign up for every Monday. You get it in your inbox, what to watch each week at katecasey.substack.com. And then you can find me on Twitter at, at KKC, Instagram at KKCCA, and on TikTok at It's KKC. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. This has been fun. Super fun. Thank you yes. for having yeah. me. I appreciate for, it. Thanks Love for you coming. Thank and you. now you have to review something and come on my show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Would love it. I'll give yeah. you homework and then okay. you, you come in and then you and then you rip it apart. I, I love, love it. it. Love well, it. I'm happy to do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. off of your recommendation, I watched the Never Let Him Go and freaking loved it. So Awesome. I, I don't think I would have went and found that if it wasn't for well, like, now I got oh, okay, oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Excited. Well, now you have to tell me what you think of Vatican Girl and the Lost Sons. Okay. Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah. Done and done. <laughs> Report back to headquarters. Okay. Thanks so much, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.